Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Kevin, how are you doing today? Yes, sir. I'm doing fine. But woke up this morning to snow on the ground. You know what that is, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I had to I had to uh, relearn what it is. It's been a little while since we had some down in Georgia that hung out for more than an hour. I woke up with about two inches. It wasn't a lot, but, you know... I still was just relishing when I, I got up and I looked out the window to, you know, white and I inhaled my <laughs> Colombian and I said, I don't need to go out there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that means you don't have to shovel it because I'll tell you, right. an inch, much less two inches of snow or precipitation, that wipes out my ability to drive, Kevin. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I lose it, much like many of other Georgians down here, maybe folks across the Southeast. But, hey, we got big things to talk about here today, Kevin, big things. Mm -hmm. It is a special edition of The Buzz, which comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, folks. But today, it's a Digital Transformers edition, which takes place every second Monday of each month. So. Today, Kevin and I are going to be discussing a variety of news and developments today across global business with a big extra helping of all things technology. And hey, folks, if you're listening to the podcast replay, we usually drop the buzz replays on Fridays. Come join us live. We'd love to hear from you live on LinkedIn or YouTube or some other social media channel of your choosing. We'd love to hear from you. And one last request, Kevin, one mm -hmm. last request we want to bake into this is if y'all like the show, folks, if you like the show. Hey, share it with a friend. We'd love to have them join us and give us their take on some of the biggest news stories of the day. Kevin, how's all that sound in your ears? You know, everyone is friend. And, and today is really special because it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Well, you're absolutely right, Kevin. And that's exactly where we're going to start. As I was saying in the pre-show, we've almost made this, Kevin, a bit of a tradition to have a live stream on MLK Day and dive into his incredible, his powerful legacy, his family's powerful legacy mm. on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And that's where I want to start. So, and I love this shot. And if folks, if you're listening yeah. to us and you don't see the visual, let me paint a picture for you. So in Washington, D.C., in front of the Lincoln Memorial, where Martin Luther King Jr. had his iconic I Have a Dream speech. They've got it imprinted, carved into the marble exactly where he was. And there's this beautiful sunrise shot with the Washington Monument out front and, and, and the, the, the mall and everything. Mm. So what a gorgeous, gorgeous picture. But Kevin, yeah. you know, when we think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day each year here in January, what are a couple of thoughts that come to your mind each year? Well, you know, MLK Day is really the only federal holiday designated as a national day of service. So we all should honor Dr. King's legacy by working towards a more just and equitable society, especially in this election year, where everyone, we need to value everyone and respect everyone, regardless 
of their race, ability, religion, or background. So by using this time to participate in service projects, we can really bridge divides, heal wounds, and create the lasting change that will benefit our communities for years to come. I think that's what we all should be thinking about on this wonderful day. Kevin, what a great way. Thank you for sharing very eloquent and intriguing comments there. And I would just add to that. I was over on the website for the King Center, right? Mm. I think they had a live stream earlier today about 10 a.m. Eastern time. I'm sure folks, y'all can find that on demand. But I was struck with what was emblazoned across the top of the website. It starts with me. Mm. And it sounds simple, but Kevin, I think that simple phrase goes back to what you were sharing because all of us have a daily, if not an hourly conscious decision to make. Am I going to be part of the problem or am I going to be part of the solution and bring everybody, everybody, regardless of, of their walk of life, you know, provide opportunities for all, create a better society, a better, not to be too cheesy, but a better world for all. And all of us have that decision to make at least every single day. So what decision? Yeah you be making here in the new year. Kevin, your quick response, and we're going to keep on moving. Yeah, one thing, I mean, MLK is a U.S. national holiday, but it really is a global society. And, and I just want to highlight that our global audience, it's not just for us in the United States to have these thoughts and to focus on, on building our society, our, our global society. And this is even more important in today's technology-filled world where we are connected 24-7, 365. And with that, you know, I want to thank our audience for being with us on this special day. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And as uh, I like what Amanda says here, Amanda says that she read today that MLK Day is not a day off, but a day on. And that's kind of yes. what uh, Kevin and I both are uh, suggesting. Okay, I want to bring this graphic because one of the things that all of our audience will certainly hopefully know about us is we want to be a constant source for practical resources that are going to help you navigate the tough days and months ahead. And with that said, is our almost weekly newsletter. And we dropped that over the weekend. I think it was edition number 63, Kevin. And as y'all mm. might imagine, of course, we spoke about a neat backstory to the uh, I Have a Dream speech. I'm not going to spoil it, but it might just involve someone suggesting to Dr. King, tell him about the dream, Martin. Such a great, neat little backstory there. We also offered up news and resources from our friends at Winward. So y'all check that out. Kevin, you're laughing. Hey, let me in the inside joke. What's the inside joke, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was just thinking about, you know, down on the, on the National Mall at that at Monument. I mean, yes. when it was first released, there was a lot of, you know, real, I guess, dislike <laughs> on really? the monument when it first when it first came out. What sort of struck me is how it has grown. And now, look, with that picture you show, it just so yep. looks so majestic, yes. right? You know, so I love that monument. So if you ever come to Washington, D.C., definitely go downtown and check it out. Oh, Kevin, what a great tip. It might sound like an obvious tip, but, you know, there's so much to see in Washington, D.C. You got to make MLK Monument at the top of your list. We When we went last spring, Kevin, mm -hmm. you know, they got all the cherry blossom trees kind of around where the monument is. And it was a gorgeous, you know, 65 or 70 degree day. And it really, you know, when you have a setting like that and such a majestic, imposing, I guess I'll call it, big monument, yeah. it really helps you really think about what we, 
it really challenges all the assumptions and all the stories we've heard, you know, timelessly about Dr. King and really makes you think about it in a new mindset, which I think is so important with historical figures like Dr. King. Your final thoughts, and then we're going to jump into the first story here today, Kevin. So the one thing that really stuck me about Dr. King is he is a real person, right? Mm -hmm. In my life, all of the people that you revere, you know, they're either long gone or or they're myths, (laughs) right? Right. But I was alive when Dr. King was alive. I was alive when he, I remember the day that he was assassinated. I mm. remember watching the I Have a Dream speech on, on television, right? Wow. So it's something that I've felt in my life, something that's real. And it's important to realize that society is changed and improved by the acts of real people like you. So that's right. Like everyone. Wow. All right. So folks, remember, it starts with each and every one of us making that conscious decision. So thank you all, everyone, for being here today on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. All right. So Kevin, we've got a lot to get into here today, a lot to get into. Mm -hmm. And by the way, folks, we did drop the With That Said link, make it easy for you. We dropped it in the comments. You're one click away from checking out that almost weekly newsletter. Kevin, I want to start with this first story here. All right. This is going to give us plenty of stuff to talk about, plenty of stuff to talk about. So almost 1,500 business leaders were asked by the World Economic Forum about what risks they thought would cause a crisis on a global scale in 2024, okay? Surprising to many of us, maybe I'll I'll just say surprising to me, cyber attacks (laughs) barely, I mean, barely made the top five responses. So I'm going to, Kevin, I'm going to share the top eight. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're going to drop the link so folks can check out the rest of the stuff. And then, Kevin, I'm going to get your take here, okay? Yeah. And this is from our friends over at the Visual Capitalist. That's a great resource, folks, to add to your Rolodex. All right. So, number one, extreme weather. That was what 66% of the business leaders, that was their number one, right? Extreme weather Mm -hmm. was going to wreak havoc across the world. Number two, AI-generated misinformation or disinformation. Number three, societal and or political polarization. That's a good one. Number four, cost of living crisis. I know we've all, our dollars don't go quite as far as they used to. And then number five, Kevin, cyber attack snuck in number five. And I would just add, I think we should move that up, but I think it's a good discussion point. Forbes says that $9.5 trillion will be done in damage to the world in 2024 by cyber bad actors, 9.5 trillion. Wow. All right. Back to the list. Number six is an economic downturn. We've spoken about that endlessly. Number seven, disrupted supply chains for critical goods Mm -hmm. and resources. And number eight is certainly a a fear of mine, an ongoing fear of mine. That is an escalation or outbreak of armed conflict. Okay, Kevin, that's a big, just a top eight things on that list. Yeah. Your thoughts. Well, first of all, All of these things have been with us for a while. Like, none of it is new. The question is, what do we do about it? And one thing that I think that that people don't realize, number three there, societal Mm. and political polarization. Did you realize that 2024 is the biggest year in history for national elections? The uh, countries, major countries in the world, 
that are voting for their leaders, like the Russian elections in March. They just had the Taiwanese election yesterday, the U.S. election, of course. And the interactions of all these countries, they're at war in, in, in many cases, right? And this list probably could have been made any year, but this year particularly, they are all so linked together. And unfortunately, there's a large swath of the population that doesn't believe in like extreme weather and, and climate change, don't believe that's a thing. And, and, and I think this AI-generated misinformation is really contributing to the fact that we don't believe science. Many people don't believe science anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, it is scary, but it's also a call to arms That's to right. uh, be sensible and to uh, contribute. Well said. And it all starts with me. That's going to be a common theme, just like the common themes you were talking about that weave in amongst all of yes. these big threats. That's going to be another common theme for today's conversation. So I appreciate your thoughts here, Kevin. And I'll tell you what, I am praying, hoping, wishing that 2024 can bring peace and prosperity and cooler heads and success around the globe yes. to our audience members everywhere. Okay, Kevin, the second story is going to be a lot more uh, positive. <laughs> We're going to the lighter side. <laughs> <laughs> so moving from disastrous predictions to more practical optimism, this article here from App Inventive. I'm going to share this graphic mm -hmm. here, Kevin. So this is good news. Supply chain teams, as we know, right? And as we do, really, in many cases, around the world are leveraging technology in old and new exciting ways to solve yeah. problems and overcome obstacles. So, Kevin, tell us more. Well, we were just talking about the daily news, right? And it really elevates the need for companies to really embrace technology and technology-led supply chain management. And these solutions are really needed in order to handle these challenges as we, there's the probability of uh, new shocks to the global systems and wars and conflict really can't be overlooked. The fact that every crucial commodity, and in fact, the human commodity and material commodity is scarce and, and expensive. This leads to complexities and, and shortages. Air and sea freight prices have, have really gone through the roof. This makes it challenging for companies to move freight at high capacity. The bottlenecks, both in shipping and in receiving, has led to additional time required for importing and exporting operations. And we are globally connected commerce, okay? And this disrupts not only international supply chains, for, but domestic supply chains. And also, this is a weird one. You know, okay. you look back at the shutdown in 2020 that affected the supplier's network data right? and how businesses changed so dramatically in 2021 in order to adopt digitalization efforts as people were shut in and, and the whole process change of how to order and deliver products and services worldwide. That actually resulted 
in basically the elimination of all benchmarks for supply chain leaders. Right. Because nothing is the same anymore. And historically, supply chain leaders have looked at the past as a way of predicting what they needed to do today and for, for the future. So that's not there anymore. So it's like they're groping around because they don't have that. <laughs> in <laughs> the dark. What, yeah, groping around in the dark. Okay. But all of these things, the answer is in ah, adopting <laughs> new technology. <laughs> you got to adopt new technology in the supply chain and don't be afraid. And this article really lists the technologies that you should consider. <laughs> yeah, excellent. I love that. And I love the the sound effects there, Kevin. That made it uh, very <laughs> majestic and dramatic. So y'all check that out. Amanda has dropped a link to this blog article via our friends at App Inventive there in the chat. I would just add a couple of comments of Kevin's. Lots of opportunities, lots of opportunities, especially leveraging technology, leveraging circularity. More circularity mm. thinking. Yes, sustainability is critical. That's right. I read over the weekend, we all have heard probably, Kevin, I bet our audience, which is the smartest audience in all of the land, has probably heard this and know this. You know, China has a huge leg up when it comes to domestically producing rare earth minerals, right? Which, mm -hmm. of course, modern technology leans heavily on. Well, I read over the weekend, recent research suggests that here in the U.S., which the U.S. and the EU are the biggest, and, and China are the biggest users of rare earths, that the U.S. could ramp up its domestic ability to meet as much as 40% more of our rare earth mineral needs oh. if we just embraced more circular thinking, Kevin, right? So that's a massive opportunity. Yeah. The one thing along with that, though, have you heard that there was a huge, I mean, huge, massive lithium deposit found along the Nevada-Oregon border. Really? And that's one of the biggest raw materials for batteries, okay? okay? And this is, and China has very large lithium reserves. This deposit is estimated to contain between 20 and 40 million metric tons wow. of lithium with unsurpassed and unprecedented quality that surpasses any other previous find. So new discoveries like this could really change the paradigm when it comes to rare earths. Agreed. That really changes the Oregon Trail. Maybe we got a new edition of the Oregon Trail video <laughs> game coming out. And maybe old Tyler Ward's up there surveying a little pickaxe <laughs> looking for big deposits. Yeah, He's exactly. Up right, mining. Look at some lithium, man. <laughs> you know, we're talking about overcoming challenges, leveraging technology, leveraging new ideas. But really, circularity is an old idea that folks are just, generally speaking, have been slower to embrace. Automation. We've talked about automation for years, right? Mm -hmm. I'm excited about how automation doesn't replace your current talent. It augments. It helps make them their job uh, easier. It allows, you know, we've talked right. time and time again, you automate the blocking and tackling and free up the human factor to do bigger and better things, right? It's the uh, difference between creating robots and creating cobots. Right? Yes, Kevin. <laughs> yes, Kevin. And and in order to realize that opportunity, I'm going to go back to something you shared at the end of your initial response, and that is adoption. I, I think oftentimes we see it time and time again with all the technology projects and initiatives and yeah. you name it that companies are implementing adoption and what practically is going to move the needle there 
and allow the workforce to truly adopt the technology project of the day, du jour, what have you. That is so mm-hmm. important because if the workforce doesn't adopt it and doesn't see what's in it for me, which we talk about a lot, we're going to basically write a big old check and get very limited or no return. Kevin, your last thought. We're going to yeah. move to the next story. Well, keep thinking. I think that's the most important part of anyone. You know, you have to keep thinking and always be open to change because That's change right. is constant and continuous. And we all are going to the future together. So uh, we, right. we have to keep the minds open. That's a great tip. And here's another one. Buy some land up in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> be a part of that big old lithium deposit. Lithium, uh, yep. All right. So we've dropped a link to the first two articles there. Let's see here. Mary Kate Love. Great to see you, Mary Kate, says the circular economy is so exciting to think about. That's right. And Kevin, of course, Mary Kate Love, the founder of National Supply Chain Day here in the U.S., right? So we got we're we're in the midst of celebrities here, Kevin. Did you know that? Oh, I I'm <laughs> odd, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you both. Me and you both. And then we got a couple comments about the first article where we listed some of these risks. I'll cover those here yeah. before we move forward. T-squared says, with all those risks coming that we were talking about earlier in the first story, mm-hmm. overarching risk hedging supply chain management may become the norm for all products. I absolutely think. I think risk management, as we've talked about, it feels like millennium, Kevin. Risk management has always been inherent in successful supply chain management. It is the job, some would say, right? However, it's really interesting to see bigger investments and more attention and priority that business leaders are giving to the holistic approach to risk management. Your thoughts there, Kevin? You know, it's about the pendulum. We have to avoid the reactive pendulum decisions, right? That's right. Everything in moderation. You know, you don't go all offshore and all onshore and go back all offshore again, right? <laughs> you have to have <laughs> you have to have a little offshore, you gotta have a little nearshore, you gotta have onshore. That's and right. and and you, you have to have that moderation in, in all things that you do. Yes. Resist the knee jerk. Resist yeah. the knee-jerk reaction. we got to mitigate that. And then Andre makes a great point here, Kevin. I love this point. Andre says that back on that list of top eight that we covered of risks yeah. to global damage, number one, Andre says, should be a lack of holistic and critical thinking. I think that's a great comment there, Kevin. Did we say something about that earlier? Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> got to be Andre. thinking. That's right. Got to be thinking. And Mary Kate is reminding us National Supply Chain Day is indeed April 29th here, 2024. I'm looking forward to celebrating that with Mary Kate and Kevin and the whole team. Big party. Big party. That's right. (laughs) Open bar for that party, Kevin, is what I hear. Open bar. I'm there. I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, let's cover a neat resource that's coming up talking about innovative ways tech is helping supply chain leaders do big things and do big things differently. Hey, come check out a neat live event on January 24th, where Kevin and I are going to be hosting Ami Daniel with Winward. Now, Winward's doing some really cool things. We're going to be talking about how we can better leverage AI to conquer all sorts of ocean shipping challenges. And as you might expect, Kevin and all of y'all out there, we're going to be diving into the Red Sea situation in particular. Kevin, I think we've got, uh, we're approaching 700 folks that are set to join us thus far for this live event. Should be a good conversation, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And uh, 
the Red Sea is a critical waterway. I've spent some time there. Yes, right. <laughs> so I think it's important during the tanker war, I did a lot of work there. So uh, it's really important for us to understand the importance of these vital waterways. I love that, Kevin. And we're going to dive into deep. I mean, Windward and the team are doing some big things there to change the game a bit. And also on a personal note, let me pull this graphic back up. You see Ami there, Kevin. Yeah. You all have something in common. Ami served in the Navy. I think the Israeli Navy. And of course, you spent time as a naval aviator. So I think we're going to share all kinds of experiences across the seas, the seven seas, Kevin. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I spent some time in uh, Israel as well. I was really? as guest of the Israeli Navy. And uh, one of, uh, you know, highlights of your life, floating in the Dead Sea. <laughs> yeah, going to Masada. Uh, that was that was a great trip. Wow. I, I love your stories. And we talked a lot of them, especially where that, that one stint, part of your time in the Navy, you were yeah. kind of a military diplomat, I'll call it. You were meeting all <laughs> kinds of movers and shakers across the world. So stay tuned, folks. Some of those stories and a lot more about ocean shipping and how to better manage ocean shipping, leveraging modern and cutting-edge technology. Join us on January 24th. And Amanda has already dropped the link. You're one click away. Y'all check that out. Okay, Kevin, back to our mm. third story here today. Yes. I love this headline here. So this comes to us from our friends over at Curvo. Get this, Mm -hmm. digital transformation increases the value of supply chain workforce. I agree with that. So Kevin, (laughs) tell us a whole bunch more here. You know, this statement is true no matter what industry you are discussing. But this article actually focuses on healthcare which is kind of a shift where data as a service has emerged as a solution that brings a pipeline of enriched, normalized data to supply chain analysts and others. And this quality-enriched data is also essential to building engagement between clinicians and the supply chain workforce. See, you never never (laughs) know I was going there, where it did. (laughs) So digital transformation changes the dynamics between supply chain, physicians, and device companies, giving more power than ever before to the data-driven supply chain workforce. So bid and contract management are ripe for digitization. And in many hospital enterprises, that's already underway. Thoughtful and purpose-built solutions for the medical supply chain shorten contract cycles. It reclaims staff hours, it spreads efficiencies, and it makes us all healthy. (laughs) So be healthy, have a great supply chain. Use technology. That's right. (laughs) Well, you know, so interesting, Kevin, and I love the intersection of supply chain and healthcare. It's a critical one. You know, we have been, I think we kicked it off in 2023, our healthcare supply chain leadership series. And we've met with some CSCOs really across the country and learn more about what they face as they bring more supply chain management thinking and best practices and proven best practices and new practices into a really longstanding and I hate to call it traditional, but, you know, the healthcare yeah. industry, right? They're slow to adopt technology. Very slow. Yes. And Kevin, of course, one of the big reasons why they are slow to adopt is because literally lives are at stake. And they've got to make sure the decisions and the change they embrace, 
you know, given those risks are the right ones. That's a great comment, Kevin. Notice how fast during the pandemic they were able to embrace technology. And what was holding them back was really a lot of the outdated laws and, and regulations that, you know, could be eliminated with a, with a stroke of a pen. That's right. So it, I don't think it's that healthcare as an industry, you know, abhors technology or, or change. It's just that, once again, it's it's risk management. How do right. you manage that risk? And the legal industry is, is trying to protect all while managing the risk. So everyone's trying to do the right thing. It's right. just difficult sometimes. <laughs> I don't disagree. And I also want to make sure Sometimes I use the wrong words, Kevin, and it, it messes up <laughs> what I'm trying to communicate. I think healthcare in many ways are a great shining example of how to embrace technology and because they have to do it out of necessity. If you look at the states, if you look at other parts of the world and population shifts here in the states, of course, we've got a bigger demand being placed on healthcare because of generational transfer and stuff, right? In mm-hmm. places like across uh, the African continent, Kevin, you and I have had some conversations here, just access to healthcare in some of the more rural and isolated places that's a big part of the challenge. And there's aspects of both of those challenges globally, right? Yeah. Telehealth has really gone a long way to uh, support that access to healthcare in, in rural areas, especially uh, across the continent. That is right. So going back to this article, which started the discussion, for as much as successful digital transformation increases the value of the organization or the product or certainly mm-hmm. supply chain performance, I love this central premise because it brings more value to the workforce and the human factor. And it's a wonderful force multiplier of the impact that the human factor can have in supply chains and everywhere else within the organization. Kevin, I'll give you the last word here. More technology and supply chains make you healthy. <laughs> I love it. It's like a tagline. Ta-da, ta-da, you know? All right. Ta-da. This last article we're going to tackle here today, Kevin, this is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And this comes out from our friends over at CNN. So I'm going to unpack this a little bit, trying to stick to the facts. And then, Kevin, I'm going to get you to respond to some of the ways that maybe okay. AI and technology is being positioned in terms of their impact and whatnot. So, all right, again, folks, we're going to keep it real. This last story kind of runs a little bit counter to our third story. So CNN ran this report over the weekend, and it focuses here on tons, unfortunately, of layoff announcements that have come in the first couple of weeks of the new year. Yeah. To put it fair, maybe it has a lot of folks wondering about any correlation between the layoffs and employment in general, as it might be correlated to the continued rise of AI. So here's some of the facts. Google, Amazon, Discord, Unity Software, and other tech companies have announced at least 5,500 layoffs in the last week or two. Going back to 2023, it's been reported that over 260,000 technology professionals were laid off last year. But the job cuts aren't only impacting the tech world. Financial Dynamo Citigroup, man, cutting some 20 thousand jobs recently announced. Now, to be fair, it's really important to look at things in the right context. There's a number of factors, right? Including the rapid hiring practices during the pandemic. So so many of these same companies can meet demand. Lots of different factors that roll up to these really difficult decisions. However, in 2023, at least some companies like IBM and Dropbox, well, frankly, they pointed to the powerful evolution of AI and they stated, Kevin, business leaders got to think much different. They got to revisit their approach to staffing. Now, this is, I want to finish on a high note here. This is really important. So, folks, y'all listen up because sometimes 
negative mindsets and the negativities that some in out in the news and the media can apply to modern technology. Y'all listen to this. So technology revolutions over the course of human history, they have displaced workers, but they've also created all sorts of jobs and opportunities. The World Economic Forum, Kevin, the WEF predicts Mm -hmm. that AI may replace 85 million jobs by the year 2025, but that AI will create an estimated 97 million new jobs by the same year. So by my count, and I grew up in South Carolina, so y'all double check my math, but that means that's a net gain of about 12 million new jobs, Kevin. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. So to step back and open the aperture a bit, okay? This year, we were just talking about risk management and Earlier, we talked about the fact that many major countries are going through political elections, major political elections this year. So if you are a company trying to operate in a global environment, you want to minimize your risk because not only are you going to have this political change, but there's going to be this huge economic change. You know, people are still talking about maybe a recession in this year. So no company is going to you know, jump out in 2024 and hire up, (laughs) okay? And technology, there's always a transition where people doing old jobs are going to fade away, get laid off. They're going to get reskilled, and then they're going to come back in in these new positions. One of the fastest growing positions is AI prompt engineering. Yep. You know, figure out you know, how to create and fashion prompts so that you can get the answers you need from AI. Transitions take time. So 2024 is a transition year. You're going to see these things, expect these things, but no, we're going to get through this. And on the other end, we're going to be better for it. I love that. I love that. And, you know, Andre makes a great point. We need to talk more about causation out there because, as Andre says, just because two elements occur at the same time does not mean one caused the other. Excellent point. Excellent point. Right. All right. So, Kevin, a couple last thoughts here before we, we wrap here today. Yes, sir. I like messing around with chat GPT and me and probably tens of millions of people around the globe. <laughs> so, I posed the question to chat GPT. How many jobs will AI create in the next couple of years? And I posed it to ChatGPT about seven times, and I could never get a straight numerical answer. But one of the tidbits <laughs> I did get, one of the tidbits I did get, Kevin, check this out. This is not artificial intelligence, it's human intelligence. <laughs> I, uh, that's right. And I'm try, I think I'm hopefully illustrating that. But PwC <laughs> came out with some research. Here's another data point I think is interesting. PwC estimates that AI could contribute up to $15.7 trillion to the global economy by 2030. So between that number, and you know, research is research, folks. There's no guarantees. But between that number and the 97 million new jobs by 2025, Kevin, I think that is part of the story that we don't hear enough about in this age and this day of change. Folks, if you volunteer, if you lean into your role, if you learn new things, if you like those prompts that Kevin was talking about, if you're of that ilk <laughs> and of that mindset, this technology revolutionary period that we're in is going to create lots of opportunities. On the flip side, 
Unfortunately, we're going to keep it real. If you don't like learning new things and you like doing the same thing hour after hour after hour, folks, you are going to be at risk. That's how technology evolves. Kevin, your last thought here about AI, jobs, and what lies ahead. Like I said, change is constant, okay? So, and it's continuous and and we, we have to roll with it. So look forward to the future because it's bright for us all. That's right. And it's coming whether you like it or not. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kevin, really have enjoyed walking through these four stories here today. Really enjoyed your perspective on oh. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, how, hey, it all starts with each yeah. of us, right? This has been fun. It has been a lot of fun. Folks, again, the Digital Transformers version of The Buzz, which Kevin joins me, sometimes me and Greg and other friends, every second Monday of the month. So join us and catch Kevin's appearances. Also, you can catch Kevin a lot of different places across the world of technology, including Digital Transformers, which is a wonderful podcast that we've been producing for a couple of years now. So Kevin, speaking of the future, sorry, that was a long segue. Speaking of the future. Uh, <laughs> what can we expect when it comes to your popular series, Digital Transformers? Well, we're back in the lab doing a lot of work right now. And, uh, I'll be in uh, San Antonio, Texas in the next couple of weeks working on a project, the uh, National DigiFoundry, which is focused on the digitization of assets, including the digital dollar that will be coming soon. And we could probably expect a story on that coming pretty soon. And uh, our latest edition was about focusing on satellites and space and how the space economy is changing the supply chain, that information supply chain. So uh, stay tuned for, for new news on, on in those areas. I love that. Going back to your first one, the digital dollar, we're talking about something that the U.S. government is creating and backing, right, Kevin? Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, the United States is strong from an economic point of view. Most of the economy, global economy, is based on the use of U.S. dollars. I know you've heard of the petrodollar. That's because oil is pegged to the dollar. Well, as our global society transitions to the use of cryptocurrency and crypto securities, And in fact, the SEC, Securities and Exchange Committee, actually approved ETFs for exchange of Bitcoin just last week. So in order to maintain the strength and the effectiveness of the U.S. dollar, the Congress and the U.S. government is considering deploying a digital dollar that also would be linked to the U.S. dollar. So lots of change, lots of change to deal with. That is fascinating. I'll tell you, reason 1,297 why I wish I was, I paid more attention to math (laughs) as a grade school student so I could crack those Bitcoin algorithms faster than anyone else out there. But hey, we'll save that (laughs) to another time. All right, folks. Thanks for being here. Kevin, folks can probably track you down on LinkedIn, other social, and of course, they can find Digital Transformers. Yep. Everywhere. I'm on X, LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and I'm on the TikTok too. So <laughs> Kevin L. Jackson is everywhere, folks. It's everywhere. I always enjoy our conversations and our episodes together. All right, folks. So Kevin, first off, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your perspective and expertise and look forward to the next show. Thank you for having me.
All right, folks, as we start to sign off here today, I want to revisit the front end of our conversation, because as you saw, even whether it's research that we tackled in the first story to what even our day-to-day experiences will tell us is that we live in a very friction-filled time, right? Our communities, our countries, the globe filled, filled with friction and many times can be dangerous friction. So in honor, of course, what Dr. King would suggest, not only nonviolence, but also, hey, it starts with me, it starts with you. We make the decisions, whether to be part, again, of the problem or the solution. So with that in mind, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you, hey, put it into action. Deeds, not words. Do good. Give forward and be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.